So as the wave of our retreat flows towards the closure, kind of been in the upswell of it and the entering some of the tide of it with all that that contains, the great swell, the great flow, its beauty and its uh, distress. And just uh, coming towards the closure, so it was important to map, present some more maps, if you like, or not so much to add in more, too much more informational things to do, but just to keep in mind the whole process of liberation so that we're not uh, just to, just in the just lost or caught in the tide of what's uh, the dynamic that we're in the flow of it it's a very useful map in in <coughs> in the anapanasati teachings <coughs> which are divided into four four clusters Four groups of four. First set of four teachings deals with the body. Second set of teachings deals with the what are called the citta sankara or the mental activities, the mental dynamics, perceptions, feelings, impulses, so forth. All that that moves in us in terms of mentality. And we say mentality. This is psycho emotional, the immaterial, the consciousness flows, you know, with their stuck places and their vortexes and their lovely uplifting swells and all of it, beautiful, dazzling, uh, calming and agitated. Uh, the third, so this is to do with the second cluster, second called the second tetrad because it's in groups of fours, the third is dealing about coming into the stillness of knowing or of awareness, called, uh, in this case it's called citta. Uh, so is the, the citta is that which is active, can be activated, then it becomes the citta sankara, perceptions and feelings, as uh, this is st- stabilized and soothed, as it can be the recognition of more of a core quality of citta, awareness, knowing. Uh, various kinds of words one can use for this. Uh, so there's that. And then the fourth tetrad gives us an overview of release, of release from clinging, from grasping, from attaching to any of it. Interestingly, so the first tetrad deals with, first of all, accessing the body energy feeding into the body through the breathing, feeling the body energy coming, so unlocking the solar plexus, the throat, the forehead, feeling the fullness of a flow that occurs along with breathing, sympathetic to breathing, breathing in, breathing out, long, short as it settles, becomes more uh, stabilized, and then 
taking the quality of that of that breath energy, the chi, you might say, and gently spreading it through the whole body, you know, kind of generous, soothing, smoothing uh, experience of breathing through the eyes, breathing through the shoulders, breathing through the abdomen. Uh, as we feel that, it just means bringing, as you tune into that quality of, of breath energy, you can feel it as a, as a fundamental vitality. It's not a sensation. Uh, it's not. It's got a subtle feeling to it, which is pleasant. It's not a, a not a feeling associated with sensations or contact. It's a feeling associated with a kind of a vitality, you might say, subtle vitality. So as we feel into that, and then sense of recognizing this vitality actually is there in some form in the whole of the felt body, wherever you feel your body internally there's some kind of sense of tingling or agitation or coolness or warmth so that's this is the chi in its various forms nerve energy you could call it if you don't if you like something more prosaic and and, and scientific you feel that and then you just bring that to mind as you contemplate as you stay with your breath energy so this means that the one, if you like, the, the quality of the bright energy touches or senses through the whole body. Sympathetic. Just as when you jab your toe on something, your whole body, it rings through your whole body. You wince up in your face. Why does your face wince when your toe gets hurt? <laughs> That's the way it is. The whole body resonates. So similarly, we're using a beautiful uh, um, uh, quality, chi, energy, nervous energy, and just feeling that with the whole body. And if you can direct direct it to different parts of the body, just tune into not the sensation, but what's the the vitality quality there? Is it it kind of like in your skin, you might say? Very of very apparent in the face and the hands, the forehead, the temples, the eyes. Very, it's very. You can feel the tingly sensitivities there. So you bear that in mind as you follow, as you keep in touch with the breath energy. That those two will connect, and you get a sense of the benefit of the breath energy passing through. Places in your body that might um, be, you know, agitated or whatever, you know, it just it, it unifies. Even there's nothing problematic about it; it just unifies all the body energy unifies, and then this is called uh, samadhi, unification of the body and mind. This is accompanied by quality of, of happiness, so sort of brightness, and also. Uh, like something more contented, so piti sukha. So first of all, in this particular map, the Buddha is encouraging us to, to get the body uh, established as a as a place of of comfort, as a place of strength, as a place of uh, composure and feeling good. Then the heart 
is addressed. Yeah. And you address the heart or the mind. It's, it's emotional, psychological energy. So with the various perturbances and pulses and vibrations and wellings up of that doesn't really mean the topics so much as the emotional flow. So it's when we feel urgent, you know, not enough time, not enough space. Whatever the topic is, there's a particular emotional, slightly desperate energy to it. We feel, you know, we're bored and flat, there's nothing happening, there's an emotional tide there that's kind of low and flaccid. We feel hurt, there's that particular ringing bells agitation. When we feel loved or comforted, it's a different emotional tide to it. So whatever the topics are, just try to, you know, why, why we're, we're calming and, and going to the broad features of it rather than particular details, then just it means you don't get so much proliferation. If you go into the topics, then the stories come and there's a tendency to proliferate. And then it, gets, it often gets a lot more vortexes get built in through that historical and personal and so forth. Um, so here we actually, in this meditation, now, now those vortexes can of course be dealt with in other forms of, you know, therapy, counselling, whatever, you know, discussion, inquiry, mm, talking out, listening to it, and so on. But this, with the, this particular meditation approach is to deal with the underlying tides of it. And what, but what you do get first from that is body get the body, get the sense of steadiness in the body, then that will be a resource to help you hold the heart. Calm, steady the heart. Heart finds a place to sit in the, within the body and feel uh, that basic groundedness, that basic place. And then you can feel these tides of our uh, hurt or our joy or whatever it is, as the particular qualities and no matter what the story is we'll all have different stories we all recognize if we listen deeply oh this is this is someone in the depression you know what that one is this is the anxiety tide this is the can't defeat it can't do it the anxious this is the happy loving gratitude so these are these different emotional flows of quite different features to them which we all kind of recognize but sometimes we don't notice them because the details of the story take grab our attention we're just trying to come back to feeling up feeling down feeling contracted feeling expansive feeling flushing feeling contracted you know the chitta sankara it's called the perceptions and feelings condition this particular emotional formation that, that emotional formation is then becomes uh, uh, can become quite established as almost a, a form. Uh, whereas we kind of go through a day with one of those gloomy things going, and everything is oh, another one of those. And, you, know, you know, until somebody comes along and picks you up, and then your t- vortex tide changes, or perhaps it doesn't. You know. <laughs> So, and some of these, as I was suggesting, can be quite deeply embedded, almost as, as life messages, which is very 
uh, sad and and difficult, uh, but you recognise the form of it. Can't make it, not not wanted, not you know whatever it is here. So that that sits underneath. One can still have happy moments and bright moments and so forth. On top of that, you get these kind of more surface tides can wave over. I'm feeling okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But somewhere underneath it, there's still this gut level of a, of a of a of a vortex of you know when the when the when the stimulation turns off, when the conversation turns off, when the stimulation turns off, we don't sink back to that. We don't really want to let anybody know about it because it feels so stuck. Mm. So, so there can be tides and, t- and tides upon tides and different layers of it. And as, as we practice, we're kind of beginning to find the ability to come through, soothe out, smooth some of the fluctuating, more superficial tides, currents, and then perhaps we find strange sort of incoherent, not verbal senses beneath that. And all this is jitta-sankara. And that's why, you know, some of the superficial stuff can be quite easily dispersed by just take a walk, you know, or whatever. Something fairly easy to change, change your scenery, change your contact, have a chat, have a rest, you know, go to sleep, have a holiday, something like that. But then... But the deeper stuff you need to have these resources of bodily bodily strength, the container, stability, and this sense of uh, um, being able to send some of the, the beautiful energy of of uh, happiness and contentment, you know, which can be still there on top of this other. So you can have two or three tides at the, at the same time. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel really grateful and pleased to be here. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's true. And then somehow underneath that, there's a feeling tired. Mm. We might have several of those running at the same time. Somehow underneath that, there's the little bit of you know, even more deeper life message. I've got to work hard or something. So you get several layers of them. And we're trying to just softly deepen into these a little bit at a time and uh, feeling into them as we are capable as as it will allow us as we have the res- capacity to do and there's no point really in, in going into it until you have the capacities uh, and the confidence to to, um, to work with it so it's a gradual Deepening, soothing. Now, also in the third tetrad, we begin to touch into this quality of the stillness, stillness of still awareness. And I was kind of referring to this earlier as, uh, you know, that point between cognition and articulation or between being affected and responded, responding that sense of the pause, you might say, which is, yeah, you're, 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 not, you're aware, there's awareness there, but the moment it isn't forming anything. It's received something, it's just taking that in, and then 
it's going to form something as a as a response. So when when the, but this you only really get this when you calm slow down enough because normally it's just the, the ricochet effect is so quick you hear something and immediately react. So this is why in meditative practices their quality of calming and then sense restraint and pausing and uh, slowing down is all part of the culture so that we have a chance to experience this quality of awareness which is not activated or is potentially is waiting in potential to act or it might even rest so this sense of citta core awareness so first of all is touching that recognizing that and uh, steadying it gladdening it celebrating it deepening into it enjoying it and then releasing it so releasing the citta from the tendency to go into the bhava vibhava currents into these very powerful tendencies we have to want to become or to get out so uh, um, so we might feel that quality of, of stillness and awareness and, oh this is really good I'm getting there you know and there's the bhava <laughs> takes over you want to have more of it naturally enough or you might feel that thing, oh, this is really, really, right, I can finally get out. You know, the vibhava. Let everything else go and just, just go into this. So these strong tides, can, these fundamental life tides, and then just finding the place with balance and letting it deepen by itself. So there can be all kinds of reactions and reactivities that occur. We get restless, we get fidgety feeling what's happening you know, come into something like a quality of, of stillness and awareness and be a, is this it? what am I supposed to do now? is, that all, what, is, this, is this Nibbana? is this Rigpa? is this the unconditioned awareness? is this, you know, this is thinking <laughs> <laughs> am I a Sotapanna? am I a da da da? no, no, you're just thinking it's <laughs> proliferating how long can I do it for? That's worry. <laughs> you know, I really got it now. That's that's conceit. <laughs> so it's just just leave it alone, you know, <laughs> um, and recognize these these tendencies we have to try to reify it, make it into something, or, or you know, or, or whatever, you know. But there is this kind of poise, presence, listening quality. Okay, in the stillness. Now, actually, this is this is called freeing up the awareness. It is not uh, considered a final release because, of course, we still will come into these life tides of feeling and perception, thought, articulation, yeah, being somebody. You know, coming out of Nibbana in order to do the washing up. Yeah. And of course, for all, all, all of us coming from out of our retreat into our interactive world. So, you know, then, it, then you can feel this disappointment because you definitely had something quite valid 
and now it's all cluttered up again. So, so the, the liberation through calming and steadying is one thing, but then the, the complete liberation is through insight. And this is what the fourth cluster, fourth tetrad deals with, which from that place of, of stillness, of spaciousness, of non-compression, of non-obligation, we turn and recognize the formations are anicca, are impermanent and relative. We recognize a tide is a tide, a vortex is a vortex. And that's very seemingly humble, but some things don't seem that impermanent to me. <laughs> you know, so that so we can feel first with this the bodily body is impermanent, not just that it's in, that it's gonna die, but right now it's a constant shifting change of ripples and sensations and highs and lows, it's a it's a flow. Hmm? What is experienced as the body internally is flushes, flows, tingles, pressures, warmth, coolness. You know, is that correct? So, we, so when we stay with that, this is called anicca, nupasi, that is seeing insightfully into, along with, through the lens of relativity, through the lens of inconstancy. And this is not a belief, you just... Coming as you feel calm and on, no pressure. You just yeah, what is this thing, body thing, in itself? It's all movement and shift, isn't it? Now, what is this mind? You know, it's movement and shift and change and waver and movement. Now, with this, some of the sense of I am this loosens up. Some of the sense of that I I am this particular uh, pressure, inner form, particularly, notably, uh, emotional form, uh, psychological form. I'm a grumpy person. I'm a confident being or something. I'm a whatever it is, you know, depressive, anxious type. Some of that loosens up. We see, yeah, there is this tide of, of anxiety or, or nervousness or whatever, but it is a tide, it's not a person. This may not seem like it's a cure, but it is it's a loosening of the grasping. And then this release from grasping, this is liberation. And the first grasping is to conceive that a dynamic is permanent, is, is fixed. If it's not fixed, our relationship to it changes a little, our vision of it changes a little. Instead of it being me, this is just a, something that moves through, something that's moving within me. And there can be a, a recognition of a, of a kind of stillness or even a ability to be responsive to that rather than just be entrenched in it and embedded in it. Yeah. One of the things about the um, anicca in relativity is you can experience the relativity of, of, of your body. It doesn't mean your body falls apart. It feels actually a bit more alive and bright when, you, when it's like it feels less, you know, it feels quite bright and alive. It doesn't mean body's impermanent. There's some sort of, uh, you're not here anymore. <laughs> you know, you're actually here, perhaps in a fuller, happier way 
the body condition is, is flowing. Now, what happens um, psychologically is certain patterns become so fixed, they act as a structure. You know, so so our, our afflicted patterns or our stuck patterns become so strong, they, they kind of become almost supporters. They become fixed in that. It's me. It's me again. I know how to operate like that because I've been doing it for the last 20 years. I've been going to anxiety and doesn't really matter and who cares anyway. I've been going to dismissive pattern for 20 years. I know how to do it. It kind of holds me together. I know who I am. <laughs> Whereas when it starts to loosen up, you can't quite, quite get going on your, on your cynical line or your fed up line and just, or your poor me or whatever. Oh. There's a chance for a different response to occur, which at first is perhaps slightly subdued because you don't know how to do it. You've just got so used to living under the pressure of that particular form that your language, your ways of thinking, your personality gets moulded by it. You know, just like you're wearing a, a particular piece of footwear and it starts to mould your foot or your foot moulds the shoe so that you know it's yours because when you stick your foot in it, it feels completely snug with all those twists in it. When you put a new pair of shoes in it, it feels awkward until you push it into your shape. So even more than the bodily sense, the emotional sense forms and shapes us. We know, And our personality rides on top of that as that which can comp- cope and organise and compensate within that. So as you start to loosen up, your personality goes... Oh, oh, feel a bit. Oh, um, not like me anymore. Mm. Now that may be quite relief, but it could also be slightly, you know, disorienting. If you're sort of perhaps more emotional, you know, teary, or 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 you know, the energy shifts around a bit. This is why, of course, we keep coming back to the stabilizing influences just to to give us some ground. So the heart rests inside the body, then it has a place where it can unravel. Viraga is the next of the four, which means we're seeing things with this um, dispassionate perspective. It means as you contemplate the impermanence, and you feel the inconstancy of your mental behavior, your emotional behavior, these tides underneath the thought flows, the thought forms, then instead of that rushing in to fix it or change it or cover it up or feel embarrassed by it or what, you know the things that we tend to do is just that ceases, that stops, you're just dispassionate. I, now I can be as miserable as I like and I don't have to fix it. <laughs> what a relief. <laughs> because it's, you see, it's not self, it's just something I want to work with instead of, you know, pull yourself together, man, cheer up, look on the bright side, you know, put a spring in your stride, put a smile on your dial, that sort of stuff. It's not me, really. 
I'd sooner just sit in my vuh <laughs> and kind of feel into that with some sympathy of, you know, I don't know why it's like this, but here it is, and feeding into that. Just dispassion towards that. And then the dispassion actually allows a primal, what I call primal sympathy to occur. Now, when we're in our stuff, completely embedded in it, we can't sympathize with it because you can't get the necessary space. To, in order to sympathize with something, you've got to be with it rather than in it. You know? So if it's there, then you oh, oh, look at that. And then that sympathy naturally occurs. So this is what this insight practices do. They help us to, in some ways, objectify, but not in a cold way, but just it's there. And then how is that? And when there's dispassion, the sense of that, you don't have to do it, it can happen naturally. And I think you probably sometimes, you know, can recognize this, uh, how perhaps when you talk about things in your interview, you say, oh, I was doing this, sitting there, and, this, and suddenly you, as you explain it, you suddenly get a realization of, of where you were in the struggle. Think, well, that's what I was doing. And you step out of it. As we widen, you, come, you want to widen to the place or, or release, see things, you know, widening your focus, stepping back to the place where you take in not just the thing itself, you know, that feeling or that mood or that whatever it is, the thing itself, but also how you are with that. How you are with that. And sometimes we're pretty good at seeing what there is, seeing the the anxiety, the nervousness, and oh, here's my anxiety pattern again. Really clear about that, and a bit proceeding to figure out why, and you know, feel a little bit annoyed about it or disappointed. There it is again, anxiety, worrying about the future. Let's wind a little bit more to feel how how you are with that that sense of say anxiety. Just could be frustrated or tired or agitated. Mm. So, so you come to particular peripheral patterns or un, we could also say underlying patterns, it's something around the central topic. Mm. And this is where you, come, you can come to a place where you're coming out of the tides. This is viraga. So... First of all, there might be the anxiety and the disappointment about the anxiety, then feeling a frustration or around that, and then we come to a place where it's just this. That's equanimity. It's just this. It's just this. But still, we're with it. You see, it's just this. We're with it. Oh, you know, the feeling of that. And there can be... A, just sympathy it doesn't do anything just that sense of sympathy with and this allows something to shift so the third um, teaching in that fourth cluster of insight is called niroda nupasi the resting or the ceasing when we see things truly and clearly 
and even the, the, the subtle agitations around what we're aware of the disappointment, the why can't I do it right, uh, why am I like this, that also, we see that, we know that, we've made peace with that, we've seen even that is not self. You can't do it theoretically, you just feel this system, this emotional system, trying to stay afloat, trying to stay afloat and struggling. You know, not liking to struggle, but struggling to stay open and bright. And it can be a struggle. And as you come wider around that, the struggle can begin to, the whole process can begin to cease, quiet down. You can't do it. It's, it's, it. These are things that happen. It's more the case that they will always cease if we didn't keep, uh, in, a, not, in an unknowing way, we didn't keep feeding it. If you stop stirring the water, it's bound to settle down. You don't have to adopt a, get into the water and start trying to make it settle down because that in fact will stir it up more, won't it? So you think, why do, how am I stirring? I don't want to, why am I stirring it up? I'm not stirring it up. Your personality certainly may not be stirring it up. But these repeated processes where you keep coming back to it and reactivating it, seemingly mesmerized by it, like a moth to the flame, keep going into it, that stirs it up. And we, in fact, we can't not, we can't stop going into it Unless, we, unless the heart has found somewhere else to go. <laughs> and isn't it sometimes that one of the experiences, along with any of these, uh, found these very deep currents and vortexes, is, is, is at that point, there's no understanding there's anywhere else to go. There's nowhere else I could be. This is it. I tried, I've looked everywhere, I can't find a way out of this. That, that defeat, that feeling of, well, that's stuck with it. Okay, get on, you know. There's nowhere else to go. And uh, in fact, I've kind of suggested that, in a way. This is as good as it can be now. But that's different. Because there's nowhere else to go, is a defeat tide. This is as good as it. This is as good as you can be now. Is an acceptance tide. The words are similar, but the emotional tonality goes from defeat to acceptance. Yeah. And that's the shift. Is important. It's not a shrug, give up. It's a open be with, accept. Yeah. In neither case do we seem to be doing anything about how we are, but actually we're, we're, something is. We're setting up a different, a different subtle tide. Hmm. 
One is where the primal sympathy is, is waning, defeat, give up, nothing you can do about it, get on with life, so what? Where's the, where's the resonance in that? Pretty flat, isn't it? Another one is, well, this is how it is now. This is, I can, I can rest with this. I can be with this. There's some confidence there. There's some stability there. There's some openness there. And there's a subtle resonance with that. Sympathy can occur. So there's nowhere else to go, but we don't have to go anywhere. We have to be more fully here. So because there's nowhere else to go, be more fully here. Now, the sense of I'm stuck with this, nothing, nowhere else I can do about it, is not being more fully here. It's being less fully here. It's, it's saying, drop the topic, go off, do something else. Drop topic, go somewhere else. That's it. Shrug, give up. That is going somewhere else. <laughs> when we think there's nowhere else to go, we are going somewhere else. We're going to our defeat place. And often we find ourselves getting busy doing something else, forget about it, and so on. So there is nowhere else to go. That means really be more fully, fully, widely, deeply, attentively here. And that deepening, that widening, that sympathy, that is what will bring around the ceasing, the resting. Ceasing, cessation is a term that we can, it's got quite a, quite a negative sense in it. Um, and the English word is stop, finish. But if you think Nirodha not running, not running away, not running into, not running out, not proliferating, not making more of it. And then with that sense of the capacity to do that, this is, this is, this is the progression of insight. We find the capacity to be more fully sympathetically here. And that has an effect. Because it stops this movement of vibhava, of can't deal with this getting, which is the defeat system. It stops that, go, that current going into the mix and adding more to it. If you have a stuck uh, pattern and you just keep lumping more stuck into it, <laughs> more stuckness into it, it's going to get you adding more of the stuck. Yeah? So we just, we're always every day, today is here. There's no past, there's no future. It's here. However, convincingly, we may assume the past and the future always been like never was, never will be, always has been, always will be. That's, that's, um, that's contradictory to the truth of inconstancy. And it's a downright fallacy, isn't it? Because we have no future. You can think of a future, but you, you don't have one. How can you have something that isn't here? But we're always working around that organizational principle of the future. Good contemplation is there is no future. There's just the present arising now with its mirages, its horizons, its speculations, its dreads, its anticipations. 
Nobody has a future. A true practitioner stays with that. So they relinquish their planning, their dread, those emotional tides are released. So this is kind of uh, deep and subtle in some ways. You can poke it with, with a simple slogan like that, no future, no past, be here, be present. That helps. But of course we have to also bring that uh, uh, emotional or tide of sympathy, that effect of sympathy along with that. And this brings ceasing. So insight is a revealing, a looking into, and bringing the qualities of the brightened heart to play. This is why you can't really separate samatha from vipassana, though people often do, or will emphasize one or the other. But samatha is the thing, getting, getting the good juice going, cooking the good meal. Vipassana is serving it, serving it to the hungry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Samatha is, is getting the medicine and Vipassana is, is putting it on the sore spots. Yeah. It's like actually introducing that sense of what, what is really needed as, as the system calms, we can see into it and then we can bring to bear the quality of the Dhamma onto what's being experienced. Last uh, piece of it is patinisaga, which is a similar word to vosaga mentioned the other day. It means a similar thing, complete relinquishment, letting go. And it's really the letting go of the sense of um, self. The sense of self goes runs quite deep. Uh, it's a, a particular form that is necessary useful as a dynamic has to be cultivated has to be strengthened has to be nurtured so one's sense of self is respectful moral appropriate and so forth so that we can be fully functioning and capable vehicles for whatever our life brings up but it is a form if it's seen as a form as a dynamic form then we can we can bring around, changes can occur in it. Once you know it as a form, not just know it intellectually as a form, but really sense it, you know, the me sense arising, then there's a possibility also of seeing this also can be uh, relieved, given up, as, as something convincing. So it's a view. And what are the dynamics that cause that to be convincing? They are the sense of separating. Yeah. When that now there's relative separation, obviously our bodies are separate, our lives are separate. But we're talking about something like a real felt sense of withholding, claiming, owning, appropriating, defending, resisting, not being permeable. Yeah. Uh, not being receptive, where we shut off with views, we shut off with comparisons, we shut off with 
hostility, we shut off with blaming, we shut off with avarice, this is mine, getting mine, shut off with self-obsession, I am so important, nobody else counts. We shut off these where there's this closing down, when we get lost, locked in our bubble, um, that bubble forms, and we're in that. Uh, and this is the basis of avarice or greed, accumulative uh, hostility, and the delusion or, or the confusions that occur, because th- that experience is essentially unsatisfactory. So it's all with a self, sense of self is always restlessly roaming around. How can it improve itself? How can we get the final piece that will make it okay in here? Um, whereas, you know, perhaps it's going to be physical, sensual, spiritual peace we can add to our bubble to make us all right, to really complete it. And if you put one more piece in there, no, that isn't it either. Because <laughs> the problem is that the paradigm, the model doesn't work. But because there's quite a lot of pieces around, you can keep popping new bits in and think, well, there's nothing wrong with the system, it's just the wrong piece. So you drop another bit in. Actually, it's the very paradigm. The, the, that, and you can feel it as the clinging, subtle forms of clinging, clinging to sens- sensuality, clinging to objects, physical objects, clinging to views and opinions, clinging to rights and wrongs, uh, and then clinging to the notion of I will be liberated, or I am liberated, or this uh, experience, this sense, even that is a form of clinging. Mm. So the relinquishment of a, of a particular lens through which we experience our life. You don't have to get rid of yourself because there isn't, finally there isn't one you know, to get rid of. There's a relative one. When you respect and are conscious and clear and well-tuned into your relative sense of self, then that does what you need it to do and then you've got it, that's that, and then you can also get beyond it. And if you don't take care of your relative self, it, it goes out of control and it starts trying to claim more than it can. So anatta is something to, to be cautious about. It does not mean an elimination of self. Uh, it, it means that self is not a structure, not a final structure. It's something, this sense of subjectivity arises in context, in, in relational context, in responsibility context, it arises like that. And as it arises, because it's, it's felt and seen that way, and it's properly trained and tuned, we can also, there's a possibility of that res- releasing when it's no longer necessary. And there's not many places where it isn't necessary <laughs> to have some kind of self. But in the depth of meditation, that it is, yeah. you can, that can be, that can happen. Mm. This is giving up, giving up, and we don't give up a thing. We give up a particular dynamic, the dynamic of clinging, owning, claiming, conceiving. This is this is it. This is me. This is what I am. I have this. We go the claim of repudiating, denying, disclaiming. That's nothing to do with me. I'm not that. Yeah. So both, you know, I. So those are the dynamics that, that cause it to form, that, that support it. 
and relative self means yeah you know you can see, there's a relative sense of this is my room this is my these are my socks <laughs> whatever <laughs> and we say you know but and so, yeah that's mine it's my socks but I guess if you really need them you can have them <laughs> so you know hanging on to it to, to grim death as an as a identity thing you know this is my time but if you really need okay I can I can open up to that you know. or or not, you know, but there's some sense in which you can negotiate the boundaries of your self-dynamic. You can negotiate. It's not fixed. You don't feel freaked out to to allow those boundaries to change. I can only be on my own. I've got to have everything in my way, otherwise I get wobbly and, uh, and grumpy. This is when your sense of self has become too rigid. So the flexing of that, and the working with flexing that, is essential for the realization of anatta, not self. So you're working with self, seeing it, practicing with it, so that it can be seen for what it is. What is it that sees self for what it is? That's the bit, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, and again, it's, it's in, in meditation parlance, you often find it's being the witness, being the watching, being the knowing, and Probably with languages that it always forms some self in it. Language as subject, object, verb, doesn't it? So, so often people use gerunds like being the knowing or something like that to try to avoid that. Because what can happen is that the, even the witness becomes a slight position that I am looking down upon other things, away from other things, and there can be a holding around that. These are all then when we we don't. But so it's not a bad, certainly not a bad position, but it's not a. It's, it's still a position. So what is it like when, you know, that primal sympathy allows us to be touched, feel the waves of whatever occurs running through, and there isn't a. a, a rising wall of defense as a panic there isn't a grabbing hold of there isn't a wavering and agitation there's a lovely saying in the Sutta Nipata where the Buddha says when nothing in the world can cause agitation or stirring one has gone beyond the smoke fumes and the, and the mist of desire one has gone beyond birth one has gone beyond death one has gone beyond being born one has gone beyond dying one has begun, begun crystallizing into a form. The waves can pass through. Now, admittedly, the optimal place for that, that kind of experience is when there's not many waves around. You know, because it's, it's, a, it's a difficult enough to conceive, but it's, it's quite a, a subtle process, as you can imagine. So, calming. So we can feel, along with the waves, the sense of a presence, of a stillness, of a capacity to be with that rather than be overwhelmed or reacting to it or tightening up against it. That's the calming you need. That calming allows you to be insightful. Allows you to be genuinely insightful, to really feel and see it as it is. Allows the sense of uh, conceit or resistance or opinionatedness allows that to recede and there's just a genuine 
open awareness of things moving, passing. And most of us need that to be fairly subtle because a lot of the big stuff we just end up clamping up on. But certainly as you, as you develop, as that confidence develops, it's possible to handle bigger waves. And uh, certainly when you see some very uh, long-developed practitioners who manage to stay pretty calm and buoyant with all kinds of stuff splashing over them, then you know it works. Yeah. So I remember so someone I had a lot of uh, admiration for, Ajahn Chah, was, he lived in a, quite a busy monastery. It was, it was waves all day long, really. <laughs> you think monasteries are these quiet places you go to get away from the world. <laughs> you try and live in one, you, you're certainly disillusioned with that idea. <laughs> You know, it's all right for you monks and nuns sitting in your nice little monasteries, all quiet and peaceful. Okay, well, just you come for a couple of weeks and see, <laughs> see for yourself. <laughs> you live in a community of 50 people and you see if there's any little currents that might affect you. <laughs> We're not practicing noble silence. <laughs> you know, you just see if the world ceases at the monastery gates. <laughs> I don't think so. And uh, so, obviously, the monastery in Thailand is quite, you know, even though it's a forest monastery, it's still quite porous. And people coming in, offering food, seeing people talking, being around, work going on, the whole of the human thing happening. And as Ajahn Chah just sitting in the middle of that, able to remain humorous and poised, just really poised. Humorous, profound, still, stern, gentle, loving, just the different waves that he could form as a response. And that ability to have these manifold waves of response seems to be an indication that he wasn't any of those. <laughs> you know, there's also, and you can feel that tremendous stillness. It's difficult to, to convey it, but uh, when you've seen it and you've been with it, you know something in you feels very confident of that. Mm. Anyway, so just to sort of s- s- try to sum up, and we might kind of look at some Anapanasati, but even if you're not a great breather, <laughs> try to, you know, I'm still flogging this Anapanasati <laughs> snake oil, trying to get someone to buy it. <laughs> but it certainly seems in everybody's cup of tea. But essentially, we look at body, and, and you have to get body first, and there's a certain attitude, certainly there's a heart attitude to get the body first, you know, but as we started, just feeling in, loosening up, not trying to concentrate that much, not trying to make things work, we're just getting the body to feel a bit more present, settled. It may be, when we've gone retreat, it can take at least two or three days for that to happen. Uh, and then finding that ability to be in your body and it's only then my suggestion is only then that you can really uh, calm and quiet and make, make work on the mind or on the inner mind the, you know, not, the, not the thinking processes but the emotional processes mm. now unless that emotional process is somewhere to sit it's not going to settle down you know 
If it doesn't have anywhere to sit, it will not settle down. It's like a bird. If there's no trees around, it's not going to roost. It's going to just keep fluttering and flattering. No matter how many times you tell it to shut up and quiet down, it's got nowhere to sit. It just keeps going, getting more and more alarmed. So you've got to get the body for that, to feel that, sitting in that. As it does sit, you still we still feel all these waves and tides coming up, and that's not a bad thing, but it is a is a thing to be alert to, how to keep moving between your your calm space or your happy or your inspired places or your remembrance or your gratitude or your loving kindness. Just take a dip of that, and then you come back to the distressed place, and it's that gentle moving and breathing between the two that begins to just take some of the rigidity out of these fixed um, emotional, psychological places and as they start to move there's that possibility you don't have to be this all the time and that's, that's, that's the bit that begins to allow that whole formation to gradually uh, crumble it'll come back again many times so each time it comes back, it's like, you know, you come back a little more patient, a little more with that. So, it's, so because then it will gradually either completely dissolve or just be something that you can see as a shadow, as a trace, but it's not got the intensity in it anymore. Coming into the stillness, the point of balance, the knowingness, what it takes to poise in the knowingness without grasping it, without claiming it, without using it to, to reject the rest of the world. And then the insight process of uh, from that place of stillness, from whatever stillness we have, being able to contemplate changeability, inconstancy, and what this means, feeling what it means letting it shift our worldviews, letting it shift our strategies, letting it shift our compulsive habits. Mm.